Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you are joining me today. As always, I am so thankful for you. Without you, um, this would be pretty pointless. So thank you so much for listening. So today's topic, I have thought a lot about because it is getting so common. I mean, it's been common. And there's just been so many people that I'm working with, so many people from different support groups that I'm in, friends. It's a tough subject, and it's difficult. And so the topic is moving on from a drug addict. And it's interesting, as I put my notes together, I realized that this really can go for anyone. Moving on from a narcissist, moving on from just a tough relationship in general. It's difficult. And as I did my notes, I saw very common themes that are not just for moving on from drug addicts, but that's what I kind of wanted to address a little bit more. So please put yourself in. If you weren't married to a drug addict or in a long relationship with them, it's okay. Um, I have some general strategies that can help. And the feelings, a lot of the feelings are the same. So it's interesting. I just sat down with a friend who is a member of the DEA, and he was telling me how crazy the drug crisis is. You know, we've heard of this opioid epidemic it's real. And it comes right through our port of entries. And he was telling us about this drug called M30. And it is disguised. It looks like any other prescription drug. And the dogs cannot detect it. It's an opioid. And the scary thing is, is that because it's, you know, it's not like it's FFA approved. Come on. There's no overseers of this that sometimes it accidentally gets put into different types of medication. So people have taken what they thought was Xanax, but actually was traces of M30 and have died. I mean, this is so crazy. And you know, a lot of people will say, well, you're an LDS divorce coach. Well, that's just kind of my name. I <laughs> I coach all different types of people in every different religion and aspect. But yes, most of my clients are LDS. And they're like, so what do you mean drug addicts? There can't be that many. Well, there is. And most of it, but not all, is prescription drugs. So there is this problem. And when you are in a relationship with someone long-term who's an addict you feel kind of drugged down into their loops of use versus sobriety. You have made a pledge to be their partner. You want to share everything. You want to trust them. You want them to get better. You want your relationship to be the best it can be. When your partner, when your, I'll just use the term husband. When your husband um, become sober after a period of use, and it's terrible, and you see the decline, you see them hardly able to function, you see what it does to your relationship, um, you get so excited, you get in this high, you know, of yes, they're gonna make it, and you have hope, 
and then they relapse and they go back. So it's this cycle. And so you feel like you're in this, this cycle with them because you want to support them. You want to be with them. So unfortunately, as time goes by and they still use over and over and over, the trust is really chipped away because you want to believe them. You want to um, believe they're sober and that they're telling the truth and that they're, you know, the person that you knew. And they are. We could have a whole other podcast about the whys and the hows, and but I am not an expert with behavior. I am not an expert. I won't say I'm an expert with addiction either, but I have many, many experiences of being on the other side of it. And so I'm hoping that I can say, but, and even if you weren't married to an addict, but you had these terrible, huge problems, maybe you suffered a lot of abuse, okay? You, you have this constant fear, and you're in a bad place. It's dark. It's a whole different world when you're dealing with, with this type of problem. Um, other couples' problems seem super trivial, and you kind of start to covet them. I remember a story one of my clients was telling me that she had been married for, I think, about two years. She was pregnant, and her husband started using again, and so she was just really down and and discouraged and sad. She wanted her marriage to work out, and she wanted her husband just to be better, and it kind of encompasses your whole life, right? And she got a phone call from a friend of hers who was out walking the streets because she was super mad at her husband for buying an AC unit, one of those window units. So she asked for her to come pick her up. Now, the, the girl that was telling me this, who had, you know, a drug addict as a husband, was just thinking, man, oh, I'd love to help you. I wish I had your problem. I wish I had those types of fights. And so it's just this dark world. It's a different, different world that you live in. And, you know, happy snippets can happen in your life from time to time. But the sad thing is it's hard to even enjoy them because you're part of something that's so pervasive. It's so destructive. It's so serious. Okay. And your will to make it work it takes over. So you're just in this trying mode. You're just trying, trying, trying so hard. Um, I had another client who told me experiences of complete loss of trust because her husband convinced her that it wasn't drug use, but there was actually something wrong with his brain. So when he was using, he had very bad slurred speech. His eyes were dilated. He could hardly walk, you know, like, A person would be when they are on high amounts of alcohol or whatever, inebriated, that he actually had a brain problem. So they went to a specialist. They went to a brain doctor and had an MRI. They went through this whole thing. And then it took like a year or so for her to realize that that was just something he was saying so that he could continue his drug use. So it's just part of that trust being chipped away. It's part of being in another world. It's part of being treated like um, the use is much more important than uh, their love for you. But I'm only talking on the side of being involved with the drug addict. 
I'm not speaking on the side of the drug addict, and I know that there are a lot of things <laughs> that I am leaving unsaid. So I want to be fair to both sides, but just know I'm on this one side this time. So because your brain has been through this type of training, and I say training because your brain is being taught to be skeptical. Your brain is being taught not to trust. Your brain is being taught to just make it work. Your brain is being taught that you could somehow find, you know, happiness, little happiness in this dark, dark world. But you start to think, what is a world like without drugs? What's a relationship like without drugs? So let's say that you went through the divorce. Now what? So your vision of any type of future is very, very clouded because of the training that your brain has gone through. Um, because of the emotions associated, the mental dragging down that, that you've had. And so it's very, very difficult for you to even imagine a relationship that could be normal. You don't, you don't know what that would be. And you forgot what the freedom and happiness of just existing feels like, actually. So you're left with a great, great opportunity. Okay. So let's say uh, you are now divorced. And if you're freshly divorced from this type of situation, I have to tell you that you have so much to look forward to. And even though it may seem dismal and daunting, and you're like, man, it was easier when I was married to this person, um, the familiarity, things like that. But you have such a bright, bright future, such an amazing world that you get to capture now. And you get to feel that freedom, something that is hard. To, <laughs> it's hard to even imagine. I know that at this point. And if it's been a few years and you're still struggling, good. Not good, but I'm glad you're listening because I want to give you just a couple of things that I really feel can help you. So even if you have to write it down, number one is vision. Your vision. I want you to come up with the grandest vision for yourself so that it actually could happen, right? Without a vision, the people perish. Have you ever heard that? That comes from the Bible. It's so true. Another thing that at least LDS people believe, and I know many people believe if you've heard of the secret, is that you have to create things spiritually before you can create them temporally or physically. So you do have to believe it. You do. And when you do, it opens up a world so that it actually could happen. And you now have the ability to, to do this. Before, you could not do it. But now that, you know, fresh start, now you can even try to do this. So... It's kind of difficult because when you were with them, the drugs crushed that vision. Okay, they crushed the trust. They crushed the faith. But I want you to start getting excited. Okay, and go big. Go big on this vision statement for yourself. Or even like something you envision within the next year or five years. And this does not have to be something involved with a new partner. Okay, it can. And you can envision and 
dream up the greatest looking partner, the most trustworthy partner, the funniest, the most loyal, the most caring um, partner that you, you imagine and write them all down. That's fine. But more of what I'm talking about is, is there a place you've always wanted to go? Is there somewhere you want to travel? Is there something you've always wanted to do? Do it. Go for it. There's nothing to stop you now. You have to believe in you. And how do you believe in you? You start doing things. Okay? You just start doing and you stop asking how so much. Google it. Okay? <laughs> that will tell you how. Don't concentrate too much on the how. Just start going and doing. I know for me, I have always wanted to make a CD. I play the piano. And so that's something that I want to start doing. <laughs> I have always wanted to be like a counselor or a life coach. And when I found this opportunity, I just, I, I had no idea how to do anything. I just went for it and, and now I'm doing it and I love it. I love it so much. There's so many things. Do you like to uh, create art, pottery, sculpt, you know, whatever, do it. Do you want uh, jellyfish in your house? Do you want seahorses? What, what do you want? Like, think of the craziest, funnest things you've always wanted. Have a vision and go for it. Okay. All right. Number two is you've got to change your focus. Okay. I know I talk about this a lot. I think uh, I talk about changing the focus and your thoughts and your physiology. Okay, those triad of things. But on this, I just want you to change your focus. So if you were married to a drug addict, if you were married just to a hard situation or whatever, divorce is hard. Okay, breakups are hard. But now look. So you could, <laughs> a lot of the times, the focus is on the negative, right, of the situation. You're losing your home, your things. You're you're leaving the husband, the one person who knows you more than anything, and you're you're gonna miss them. And maybe now you have to share your kids, um, and you don't know what happiness feels like, and you don't know if you could afford moving on, and you're scared of this and that. No, I want you to change that negative focus into complete flip side, complete positive. Say you are losing your home or you have to sell your home that you loved. Hey, now, guess what? You're not plagued with the memories of that place and you can move forward. Say you are worried about your financials. Well, maybe now you are in a place where you can start a new career. You can go back to school. You can do these things and you can live that life that you wanted. Now you have an opportunity for a fresh start, okay? You have an opportunity to live your life not in that those shadows of addictions. You can make new memories. You have all these new things. You can, you know, if you had to sell some of your belongings in your home or whatever, it's kind of like this burden being lifted. You get to start fresh. It's a lightening of the load, so to speak, um, moving or, or wherever. Let's look at the positive. Let's look at the flip side. Okay, now number three, and this goes with the other two, but I just wanted to say know that people are different. You may have a difficult time 
trusting people and relationships because of the training that your brain has undergone. Okay, your brain has taught you and has now come up with some triggers that will be inadvertent. And you will see them when you start dating or even maybe in friendships. And you don't want to trust people. Or something will happen and you'll think, Ah! Ah! No, I have to... I have to do this or that, and you start sweating, and memories come back. I, I'm telling you, this is completely normal, and it will go away with time, and it will go away as you completely address it. Let me give you an example, because I might be confusing you at this point. So, I was out on a date with my now husband, right? So, I had been divorced for a while, and we had been dating for a while, so I don't know why this trigger came back to me, but he went to the bathroom at a restaurant. That's all he did. And he came back, and while he was gone, I was like, oh, I wonder what he's doing. Oh my gosh. And I started sweating. Him going to the the bathroom at a restaurant was a trigger for me, and I'm not going to go into detail of why. Um, But he came back and I was sweaty and I was just like nervous. And he's like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> what happened? But it, I, I explained to him what it was. And so by doing that, that helped because I was able to address it and realize this is a different person. Okay. And you can believe in different people. You can believe again. And you can, you know, have that clean slate of trust for a new person. I promise you, I promise you that you can, okay? And then number four is be happy. And I'm going to probably botch this quote, but Abraham Lincoln said something along the lines of, you can be happy as much as your mind makes you happy. I'll have to look that up. (laughs) That's just coming off the fly. But basically he's saying, you can be happy as much as you want to be. As much as you want to make up your mind to be. So in that, sometimes it's hard to be happy after your brain has gone through that that training. And you forgot what being happy is like. And I'm just here to tell you that you can be. So how to be happy when we're not used to being happy for so long. Start with making a list. What do you like to do? Do you like sunsets? Do you like riding your bike? Do you like creating things, and then start doing it. Okay, I talked a little bit about this in the vision. Okay, so if you're going to create a vision, you actually have to start doing it. And this is the fun part. This is the happy part. Do things. Call a girlfriend up and say, let's do this. Life is too short to delay. If you've wanted to go to, I don't know, Magic Mountain with a bunch of girls, then do it. Have fun and do things. Okay, and another part of being happy, there's something magical when we serve others. Guess what happens? The focus and attention gets off of ourselves. I could have put this in the focus part, I guess. But serve others. Jesus said, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. What does that mean? It means that you will find yourself, and that's where happiness is. It's such magic. Join an organization that you believe in. Serve. Go and serve, and you will seriously be reborn. And then number five, my last thing, stay close to your faith. 
I cannot emphasize this enough. This is what saved me. Okay, let's put it simple. This is what helped me through the pain. This is what kept me happy. And I feel restored my happiness uh, the most was staying close to my faith. Pray, read your scriptures, go to church. Don't stop. Please don't. Go. Another thing is believe the words that Christ says. Believe the words in the scriptures. It's so interesting how we can believe someone else, you know, someone who maybe has manipulated us, abused us through the years, but we don't believe Christ's words. Okay? He tells us that we are worth more than rubies. He tells us what the worth of the soul means. It's great. There's so many things I could say here, but just believe him. All right, I hope that you can do that. Stay close, no matter how hard you might feel, no matter how left out you might feel. But I got to tell you something, you guys. There's so many divorced people in the church. Okay, no matter what church you are in, there are so many divorced people. It's not a stigma anymore. We, you and me, (laughs) or whoever, make it that way in our own minds. Okay, it's not there. So, Stop using that as an excuse if you are, but you're not because you're going to go and you're going to love it and you're going to be happy. Okay, so recap people. So number one, vision. Number two, change your focus. Okay, turn the negative into a positive. You can do it. Number three, know that people are different. Okay, you can trust again. I promise you. Number four, be happy. This is doable and so fun and so achievable. Start by doing things you love and serving others. Then number five, stay close to your faith. Do everything you can to stay close to God, to stay close to the scriptures, and you will find a restoration. I promise you this. Okay, I will address co-parenting with a recovering drug addict or a drug addict um, very soon. So I felt like this podcast was going a little bit long. So I'm going to end it, but I just want to tell you that that will be coming up next. So stay tuned for that if that's your situation. All right, everybody. I seriously love you and I hope you have the greatest day again. Make it what you want. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at CoachEmilySanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.